you never want to build a company to sell because the reality is you just can't. As soon as you start thinking about building something to sell, you start optimizing for the wrong thing. What you need to do is build an enduring company that is valuable, that if you never sold it, you would be just as happy continuing to run it. Welcome to Fascinating Entrepreneurs. How do people end up becoming an entrepreneur? How do they scale and grow their businesses? How do they plan for profit? Are they in it for life or are they building to exit? These and a myriad of other topics will be discussed to pull back the veil on the wizardry of successful and fascinating entrepreneurs. Did you know that I love helping entrepreneurs like you scale and grow your business efficiently to enable revenue and profits to grow faster so you can enjoy the fruits of your labor more fully? I use real-world experience of owning and running a profitable multi-million dollar company that has been on the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing companies in America for three years in a row. That coupled with studies at Babson College, the Entrepreneurial Master's Program at MIT and Harvard gives me the unique ability to help entrepreneurs see your blind spots and move over the road bumps faster. I help entrepreneurs like you break through your plateau and reach higher levels of achievement. For more information, go to my website, natashamiller.co. Josh Little is the founder of four tech companies, Maestro, Bloomfire, Quizzer, and Volley, that have collectively been used by hundreds of millions of people. His work has been featured in TechCrunch, Mashable, Entrepreneur, Inc., and Forbes. With two successful exits and a third pending, he's currently on a mission to save the working world from death by meetings with his fourth creation, Volley. Depending on what circle you run in, you may know Josh better for his pickles, performances or projects, as he is a fifth generation pickler, a classically trained singer, and a mechanically minded YouTuber. Now let's get right into it. I'm sort of a reluctant entrepreneur, even though I had a long mowing business that would make many professionals jealous when I was young, I didn't realize that I was an entrepreneur. I didn't realize that my mom was an entrepreneur. She cleaned houses and painted and wallpapered homes. I didn't have a word for that. It was just she did odd jobs and that's kind of how she thought about it as well. So it wasn't until my mid-20s that I even understood what an entrepreneur was. And it was reading the book Rich Dad Poor Dad. It was as silly as that sounds. I read the book and I thought, what? You can own your own business if you want to. I really should have um, gotten to that book earlier. I only read it a few months ago. Oh, really? Well, yeah, at your stage, it's kind of like, yeah, I know all that stuff. But for me, when I was in my mid-20s, it was like mind-blowing. So that set me on a path that it eventually created this itch that I needed to scratch. I knew that I was an entrepreneur. I knew this was something I had in me. I felt the call, but it took five years until I started my first company. And that was an e-learning company called Maestro. And I was really just scratching the itch that I had when I was working in the corporate world, trying to create an e-learning program for my medical device training program where I was working at Stryker. So that was kind of my first jump into entrepreneurship. And that was a decade and a half ago, and I haven't looked back. So once you did that and you got a taste for what entrepreneurship is and could be, 
Were you then unemployable by anyone else at that point? I've looked at jobs. I've looked at joining other teams. It just never feels right. Once you learn how to make something out of nothing, it's hard to go and get excited about taking something and making it better. I use the Lego analogy. I would much rather build something from a pile of Legos and then break it and build another one again instead of just play with the thing that I had just made. So I love the blank canvas. I love uncertainty. I love endless possibilities and love making beautiful things. And there's nothing that really taxes you as a creative as much as building a company. It's probably the most challenging creative task is to build something from nothing and rally people around an idea and get the team together and build the software, whatever it is you're building and find the first customers. And that's just all exhilarating. So yeah, you could kind of say that I'm unemployable, but I don't know if it's by choice. I think I've just been bitten by the bug and can't go back. As a creative, do you find yourself so involved and excited about the creation process and not as good at the hiring, firing, people ops, running the company? Well, I've been told that I'm a double threat in that regard. Like I'm a pretty responsible person. So it's not really been a problem like doing whatever the company needs you to do. That's not been a problem. But I do feel like where I live here in Utah, there are probably a thousand people or more that could run a company as well as I could. But there are very few, in my opinion, that can get something off the ground, build excitement at the rate and velocity that I feel like I'm able to do. So that is kind of what I like. I like the zero to one. And that's fun. That's where we're at with Volley. So you're the founder CEO of Volley. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. So would you ever consider removing yourself as the CEO, putting your visionary hat on and letting one of those 1000 people in Utah run your business so that you can focus on working on strategy, vision? For sure. If that was what Volley needed, if I was falling short in some way or slow pedaling Volley because of just my limitation or in thinking or whatever that is, I'm happy to step aside and have in the past. It's not worked in the past. And at this point, bringing someone in to let me focus on strategy would be sort of disastrous with Volley. Volley just needs me to be in the cockpit viewing all of the data and making the moves that we need to make. So Volley, we can talk about how it increases productivity by meeting less and communicating more using video messaging. So what is that all about and how did it come about? Well, it came about during the pandemic. It turns out we need to talk in order to move work forward. And suddenly talking is a lot harder than it used to be. We have to schedule back-to-back Zoom calls. We have to slack an email a lot more because we don't have the office or the way to collaborate that we used to. And so I've been thinking about this problem for over a decade. Bloomfire, my second company, is very much solving the problem of how to get the right information to the right people at the right time at work. And Volley is right people, right time, right way at work. So Volley is a video messaging app that allows you to 
move work forward using threaded video conversations. Now, what is that, Josh? Well, we take turns just like any other conversation, except we record our turn with video. And this allows a number of magical things to happen. You can listen to me on 2X. I can listen to you on 2X. I can skip back and have total recall of what you said or get you to restate. I can take a few seconds or minutes to even think about my response before I give it, which you can't do in the real world. Or I can cancel, want to restate what I'm saying, because I know I could do it much better right now. So with the time to think and everyone having an equal opportunity to hit the record button, we feel we've created kind of the ultimate communication tool for remote teams, which has the richness of talking with the flexibility of texting. So what teams that are using Volley are finding is that they can cancel a number of the meetings that they currently were having because they're already talking and in the flow of work as they need to. And a number of the things that they were stretching Slack or email to do were just poor uses of those technologies because you really need to explain your problem. You can speak seven to eight times faster than you can compose written business communication. So why wouldn't you if you could? And by doing that and using video, you give the other 93% of the communication picture with tone of voice and body language that you're missing from written communication alone. So we're really focused on trying to build the ultimate communication tool for remote teams who it's really hard to collaborate spontaneously. Could we have done this podcast interview on Volley? We could. I've done several because we're taking turns, right? We've taken, what, five or six turns so far. So I've done several interviews like that on Volley. It's not happening all in the same condensed one hour, but it is happening when I have time to move the conversation forward or when the conversation demands being moved forward. So absolutely. Yeah, interesting. So can you talk about the threaded aspect of Volley? What does that mean? Does that mean a whole conversation is in one spot? That's a good question. We say threaded because whenever you talk about asynchronous video, someone will mention something like, oh, well, is it like Loom? Well, no, it is asynchronous video like Loom, but it's in a threaded conversation. All of those videos back and forth, the responses and replies are in one thread. So you can have multiple threads in Volley. We call them conversations, multiple conversations. But the idea is all of the send and response is threaded together with the individuals or with the group. So what happens, you know, this happens in email, I'm talking to a client about booking concerts. And then in a response that I send to her, I'm like, oh, and also that photography shoot can happen next week, completely not having anything to do with the concert booking. You usually say, well, I'll move this to another thread or I'll email you separately. What can Volley do with those kind of double conversations? Yeah, it depends. If this is just once off, like for your information, then it certainly could live in that thread. But you can also in Volley do what's called a deep dive. So take that same group and create a different conversation and then retitle that something else. But it depends on the permanency of that. Would you want to create a new conversation? It would be kind of like creating a new channel in Slack or a DM in Slack. Would you need it for that? Or is it really just a conversation between you and that other individual? Because that's the way our conversations, just like this podcast, we're covering lots of different topics. This is kind of one thread. So we kind of have a natural sense for when we need to organize that information in a different way. So I've been on the website. I'm very curious. I have not downloaded it. So I want to ask a question that could be obvious if I looked deeper. Do you 
offer transcriptions. It's like you can read the future. Yeah, not yet. Uh, Am I hired? You're hired. You're head of product. Absolutely. Like that's the obvious question that comes up. Well, okay, we can see each other and you've got a recording. Could you transcribe that? What Um, about searchability? For sure. We've got all kinds of cool ideas around transcriptions and searchability and magic notes that you can create by tapping captions and yeah, I'm just showing stuff like now. that. Actually, no, <laughs> they were questions that I had. So right now in your business, what is the biggest challenge you're facing as a founder CEO of your company? Well, if we're literally talking about today, it's uh, recruiting a head of growth. So it's filling a key role at the company and just trying to figure out who is the right person to fill that. It's often the bird in the hand, two in the bush sort of question. Like we have these candidates, they're good, but it seems like we could get a great if we really tried harder. Could we possibly get a great while getting a great is three months of work and recruiting and do we really have that time? So there are trade-offs, especially in a startup, you're kind of sometimes trading between one plus one equals two or one plus one equals question mark if we spent more time. And so that's kind of the biggest problem today that I'm facing is that quandary, the bird in the hand versus two in the bush. First of all, is it a remote position and can somebody live anywhere? Oh, yeah, for sure. We tend not to use our product when we're in the same room together. So for that reason, Volley has to be 100% remote. Yeah, so you can test it in real time. And are you finding it hard, let's say post-pandemic, we're not completely out of it, but let's just pretend we are, to find talent right now? Because that's what I'm hearing a lot of people is it's really difficult to find key talent at this time. I've not had that problem with engineers and our engineering hires. That's not seemed to be hard, but this role is kind of a, it's a difficult position to fill. This is, I'm looking for someone that has the tool belt of a traditional marketer that knows that whole circus, but thinks like a product person and has the mind of a scientist and has grown products like ours, either communication yeah, good luck with products that. or apps, right? <laughs> and no, it's a very rare person. So that's my thinking today is like, am I really going to be able to find this all-in-wonder sort of person or does this need to be a team with different skill sets brought in? And that's what we're literally debating as I jump on this podcast this morning. And do you use methods like top grading or the who method for interviewing, hiring, reviewing, firing, or are you winging it based on past experiences and such? Yeah, winging it based on past experiences. I've looked at top grading. I'm not saying that there isn't merit there, but as much as I hate to admit it, there is so much gut involved in hiring. You kind of know the right person when you, there's chemistry is what I'm saying. And so that's really what I'm looking for is that sort of chemistry, finishing each other's sentences, excited about the problem. And uh, yeah. So top grading is not great for that. Right. You need to let us know when you found this person and three months later, how it's working out. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'll report back. Great. So at the beginning of this year, let's say January, or when you were thinking about your year ahead, what was a strategy that you were really focusing on to grow and scale this business? Well, at the stage that Volley was in, we were in private beta at the time. So in January, we got the team together and 
kind of made a deliberate strategy to go all in and finding product market fit. That was our goal because for a product like ours, which is a very product-led growth product, meaning users need to go get other users, we could run traditional marketing channels and pay for users. But a product like ours has the ability to grow on its own organically if we get the product right. So to get the product right, we have to be building it for a certain person or people. So our focus was all about finding product market fit with a certain who, what pair, who is using it for what. And what we've found since is that it's remote teams that are using it to collaborate. And those are the people that are picking up Volley every day and moving work forward faster and finding great use of. So there are all sorts of other use cases. And you'll find that when you launch a new product and they're searching for product market fit is, oh, they're using it for a crypto chat. And oh, what about book clubs? And what about support? How about sales? Maybe we should go here, right? So you'll hear all of the voices, but you really need to start to focus on the ones that are most likely to succeed. So for us, we found product market fit with remote teams and it seems to be working. So now the strategy moves to how do we find more remote teams and continue to grow in terms of activation and retention of those teams. Are you really excited about the fact that remote teams are like a big thing right now? And I don't think finding them might be the issue. It's a workforce that can get to all of them. Is that correct? Yeah. The future of work is only going to be more remote, more distributed, more flexible. And so I feel like we're building the tool that needs to exist. We couldn't do what we do at Volley without Volley. In fact, I mean, of course, we would want to have to say that, but it's true. Like if you took Volley away from us today, ooh, we'd be at half speed immediately just because of as much coordination and collaboration that needs to happen to build a software product on four platforms simultaneously with only eight engineers. That's sort of unheard of, but we're constantly in the flow of work, constantly syncing up, unblocking, challenging, explaining, checking in. And it's our tool that allows us to do that. So I've kind of wandered from your original question, which was, are these folks hard to find? Not as hard to find as they were yesterday. But I do think there are a number of teams that are realizing, you know what, I don't need to commute anymore. I kind of like going downstairs to get my lunch out of the refrigerator, a food that I've purchased myself. I don't need the parade in the circus. So I think this is a shift to results as much as it is remote, like focusing on the things that get results mm-hmm. and Volley can help. So when you are starting companies and let's fast forward to Volley, are you building them to scale, to sell, or are you holding on for dear life? This is your baby and you would never dare consider letting it go. Well, you never want to build a company to sell because the reality is you just can't. As soon as you start thinking about building something to sell, you start optimizing for the wrong thing. What you need to do is build an enduring company that is valuable, that if you never sold it, you would be just as happy continuing to run it. And so that's the right place to set your focus in your thinking. And it turns out if you build an enduring company that is valuable, people will want to buy it. And you don't need to sell it because companies are bought, not sold, meaning it is hard to sell a company. I know people who have done it, but getting an advisor and running a process 
doesn't always lead to success. So yeah, since companies are bought, not sold, I tend to just want to build an enduring and valuable company. And that's what we're doing with Folly. This is what I feel like is, Folly is my magnum opus, like my best work. And This is it. This is the big yeah, one, huh? This is the big one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. Okay. So the last question I'm going to ask has nothing to do with Volley, has nothing to do with being a founder CEO. That might not be true, but what the heck is going on with your pickling? <laughs> well, I thought pickling was going to be my next thing. I'm a fifth generation pickler. So my family did not have money, but they had amazing pickled recipes, which have been written down in a leather bound book, which sits in my safe now. So I used to make pickles with my dad growing up in Michigan. And when I moved to Utah, I realized, oh, I don't have pickles. I need to start making my own pickles here in Utah. And so I started and then I started giving jars away to friends as gifts. And then pretty soon their friends wanted some as gifts and then the friends of friends of friends. And I just started charging and now it's turned into a total hipster hobby. I thought this was going to be my next business, but building a pickle company is a pretty capital intensive and grindy business. And after building three software companies, it was hard to look at a P&L statement with a line called COGS. Like, what are COGS? And why is that number so high? Yeah, it would be a very fun company to build, but I've just decided to, to keep pickling as my hobby. And it's a fun hobby. I grow everything that I put in the jars here on my property and that kind of limits the supply. Can and I we sell get the pickles or are they just for near friends and family? Oh yeah. You can go to joshespickles.com and get on the wait list and I'll send out an email to the wait list every year. And yeah, it's first come first serve. I can't wait to try Volley and also get some of Josh's pickles. For more information on Josh and Volley, please check out the show notes where you're listening to this podcast. For more information about me, go to my website, natashamiller.co. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you loved the show. If you did, please subscribe. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please leave a review where you're listening to this podcast now. I'm Natasha Miller, and you've been listening to Fascinating Entrepreneurs.